Hi everybody, Rob from the Hooked On podcast, How To Be Great here. Look, we enjoy doing what we do, for the love of it, it's wrestling, enjoy it, remember? But if you do feel like dropping us a few quid to help us out, be our guest. We don't expect it, but we will appreciate it. Thanks ever so much for your support. Don't forget, it's wrestling, enjoy it. through this we don't care about the million dollar team backing up this snow avalanche that's hitting through the country we are Lawrence Taylor and his all pro side and I've sort of lost this metaphor quite halfway through it but anyway welcome to the Hooked On podcast the show the Suns Hooked On Wrestling uh, with me Robert Nickel and my old pal showbiz Paul Benson how you doing Paul? I'm alright Rob thank you very much coming to you from a uh the reception area of a travel lodge at Leeds Bradford Airport. Very glamorous, that is. That's why Heading we call him showbiz, folks. There you go. Heading off on holiday tomorrow. I wanted to beat the snow. So uh, here we are sitting here. So apologies in advance, guys, if you hear anyone trundling past with a suitcase or coming out to tell me to keep it down. Um, we'll do what we can to get through it. That's good stuff. And uh, lots of people, of course, have beat the snow over the years. That's why he was in the job squad. <laughs> starting, <laughs> starting with the kind of quality jokes as we mean to go on. And speaking of that kind of quality, and I believe someone else that's uh, looking to board a plane at the uh, in the next 24 hours or may or may not be doing so. I don't know what's up with you and your showbiz lifestyles, everyone on this show, because I'm staying in in, uh, in snowy Devon. But uh, please welcome the twisted genius, I think making his third appearance on the podcast. Uh, it should be four, but we'll explain about some technical difficulties last week. Here's Dean Ayas. How you doing, Dean? Hello, Rob. Um, well, I'm I'm in um, a, a horrendously cold south coast of England right now um, and I'm supposed to be flying to Edinburgh tomorrow which really probably definitely isn't going to happen no um, I, I've probably chosen the worst time possible basically I feel like it, the capital city of a very very cold country is on red alert the highest alert level possible for snow so I wouldn't go there it's going to be a bit nippy yeah Red alert is basically if you leave your house, you will die. So yeah, yeah. I, I kind of feel like uh, like the. Do you remember Lloyd Bridges as the air traffic controller in the Airplane? And and as the as this the the catastrophe got worse, he was like, I chose the wrong week to quit smoking and the wrong week to quit drinking and the the wrong week to quit sniffing glue, and it kept escalating. I feel like that. I feel like I picked the wrong week to fly to Edinburgh. Yeah, well, at least how do you think Edinburgh feels? I think the reason that they're on red alert actually may have been. I think as soon as they find out that you've cancelled your flight, they'll go down to Amber. I think it'll just be. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think you're a contributory factor. Um, and tell you what, though, lads, 
everyone is sick of the weather they're sick of hearing about the weather they're sick of talking about the weather uh, so we're going to draw a line under it here uh, and what we'll do is we'll talk about my um, complete uh, lack of ability when it comes to technical materials because I basically nosed up the entire podcast last week so I'm going to apologise to my two guests I'm going to apologise to the world for uh, not recording properly last week basically I recorded about two hours of me talking and no one responding to me um, so it could have been a podcast I could have put out as a kind of plea for help in a sort of one flew over the cuckoo's nest sort of way um, but essentially uh, I effed up so I'm apologising to everybody um, but uh, I, I think my co-host should thank me in some ways um, because Dean did one of the worst impressions that I have ever heard in my life, and um, and I think I've spared everyone for that. So, uh, although there is a slight certain irony, as we did spend a lot of that podcast slagging off WCW for their incompetence, uh, and I failed to record the podcast properly. So, uh, lads, my apologies. Mate, I think there's only one solution. Have you guys ever read a book or seen something on the internet called that Garfield without Garfield? Basically, I'm surprised Dean hasn't seen this. Basically, it's all those Garfield cartoon strips, but they've all had Garfield erased from them. So it's basically just John, John talking to himself. So it's it's it, it sounds if you haven't if you haven't read it, just Google Garfield without Garfield. It's the funniest thing ever. Um, and I think we can do the podcast equivalent of that, and we should get Rob to put out that podcast just to sound Rob, so it could be Rob without hooks on, and just hear him talking to himself furtively about wrestling on a one-sided conversation. I think it'd be absolutely outstanding. So I tell you what, let's say if this podcast, um, if the post we do about this podcast on Facebook gets 100 likes, Rob, you've got to put that out. Okay, fair enough. Let's get off my nose. Just, 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 just sound, it'll sound utterly ridiculous. I'll, I mean, I'll have to go and edit it, which is a bit of a, no, a bit annoying, um, because it, it, there would have been some edit points last week. <laughs> I'm going to say when the, when the three of us get together, there's usually one or two moments where I go, "Oh, that can't go to consumption, not by humans." Um, so we'll have to cut that bit out. So uh, please, uh, please get to about 98 likes and save me from going and editing, <laughs> editing a podcast <laughs> of just me talking and then lots of silence. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it sounds fantastic. No, uh, well, I, Dean, what do you think? I I think that people should just encourage everyone to click like well, as much as possible. Let's get to that hundred, you know, within twenty four hours. There we go. Brilliant. Okay. Well, uh, yes. Well, I look forward to that. Um, but uh, for the time being, I think we should. Uh, so that's the weather done, and it's Rob's mishap from last week done. Because we've got a lot to get through here. We've got to get through. Uh, a pay-per-view. We've got to get through, uh, I think, a stellar episode of Monday. Two, two consecutive, actually, stellar episodes of Monday Night Raw for different reasons. Um, and also, uh, Dean has a podcast and he has a little tour going on and some other gigs. And Paul has seventeen thousand and forty-six WrestleMania parties to plug. Um, so, and then we're basically going to have more plugs and Maplins, but then that's not hard actually because they're going out. <laughs> um, so, uh, who it's wants to start? Pl- well, gra- oh, I was about to I was about to graciously give the floor to you, Dean. But go on then. Seeing as you, seeing as you push me so hard, I'll start. Okay, guys. So we're getting into the business end of the season now. In terms of WrestleMania, we're really close. What four, five, five weeks away? We are actually. I can, we, I can tell you to, from, from today, it is 39 days as we're recording this to WrestleMania, which is a 30. coincidence because it, it is actually also 39 shopping days until Rusev Day. <laughs> 
<laughs> what a what a I can't believe WrestleMania's on Rusev Day this year. That's Again. Remarkable. Remarkable. Um anyway, so we are really expanding the empire for this one. Um we've been listening to people for over the years who said they want to hear they want us to come to their city, their town. Um and finally we're in a position where we can we can do something about that and we can go out and see a lot of people. So if you've never been to one of our WrestleMania parties before, um it's not just a case of chucking the TV on in a bar and putting the pay-per-view on the screen. We try to make sure it's a proper night for wrestling fans. We have um, we have a pub quiz. That, every, that tends to be the crown jewel, doesn't it? Everyone loves turning up early for the pub quiz to see what they know about wrestling, show they're the best. We do a promo contest, a cosplay contest, give away some prizes, wrestling tunes throughout the night from 8 o'clock. It basically is just uh, an excuse for all the wrestling fans in the town to get together and come out to these venues and have a little bit of a celebration together instead of watching in in our own houses like we're so used to doing we've been doing this for five years now we started with one poxy little venue in london and it was a poxy little venue as well wasn't it rob you remember that one very well oh it was Um, okay it was okay and especially given that we're um using one of that so-called poxy venues sister sites i'm going to say it was okay well, I think even they'd say it was a poxy site as well, to be honest. The chain's completely revamped itself still. But anyway, speaking of which sites we're doing, we are at, we're now up to a ridiculous number. We are up to 19 venues now. No, 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 19. That is insane. 19. Paul Hardcastle, um, eat your heart out. We um, One for the teenagers. Let me, can I run through them? Uh, you can in just a second I just want to follow up what something Paul just said there is the most common question we get asked is how can you charge us X amount of pounds to watch a pay-per-view that I can watch on my iPad on my PS4 on my smart TV uh, for nothing or for the 9.99 that I've already paid why should I pay extra money the, the answer is twofold the answer those is... people know nothing McNichol <laughs> <laughs> listen Get Rob's official line. Look, let me tell you this. You come in, you get checked off the list, you get told that you've just made the list, you get wished a happy Rusev day, you sit among (laughs) hundreds of other wrestling fans, no one feels stupid for watching wrestling because everyone likes wrestling, your mum's not going to come in and tell you you're watching a load of rubbish, you can go and have drinks, you can do a quiz, you can dress up as your favourite wrestler and then you can watch the pay-per-view and when old Knackers wins the Rumble and everyone goes ape, you join in the fun and that's why you should come to these parties because you will not regret it. There you go. That that just saved me a job and he saved me an edit (laughs) so I was fairly certain he was going to swear and he didn't. So uh, uh, avoid it just about. That is the reason why Dean AF this week put out a claim that uh, Ronda Rousey should go to his promo classes. Um, because of uh, because of stuff like that. Well done, sir. And the only well, true downside to the whole thing, compared to watching it at home, is unfortunately with these parties you have to watch it with your clothes on for the most part. <laughs> Dep- depends what outfit you come in, of course. We haven't had too many uh, naked midians for the cosplay, but uh, Pain um, City are in it in a lot of ways as well. It does indeed. Um, yes. Anyway, um, Paul, return to your plugging, sir. Okie doke. So, like I say, we're in 19 venues this time around. So, and um, for all the, oh, I'm not going to go into the wheres and wherefores of all the different venues because you can check out facebook.com forward slash ho wrestling for all that. We've got all the events listed on there with ticket information, uh, information about the start times, venues, nights, etc. So, I want to so a bit of time I'm just going to run through the cities if your city's on there it piques your interest you want to come so check out our Facebook page to get the extra info so in no particular order um, we're going to be in London 
um, in Clapham. We're going to be at London Bridge for a special VIP party, which includes meals, drinks, private PlayStation, um, table service, the whole works. It's a new concept for us. You guys have asked for it. We're going to do WrestleMania VIP style at London Bridge. We're also in Manchester, Leeds, Watford, Luton, Nottingham, Birmingham, Bournemouth, Newbury, Derby, Leicester, Sheffield, Cleethorpes, Chester, Newcastle, Lincoln, Brighton, and Chelmsford. I think what we should do, actually, to that is I'm going to put gaps in after each of those places and then say a number, and it will basically sound like the first round of the FA Cup. Have <laughs> 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 some, uh, but there's some new names in there. The uh, the town of my birth, Luton, is, is one of our uh, yep. new venues there, and of course Newbury, which is uh, not West Newbury, not uh, not John Cena's hometown. Not West Newbury, you mean, you mean the one in uh, in Berkshire, don't you? I certainly do. Yeah, we've had a few new ones this this time out. Newbury's going to be a first for us, um, as is Watford. Uh, Luton, you mentioned. Lincoln is going to be new for us as well. Chester, Cleethorpes, Leicester, all brand new. We really are pushing about on this one. And I've still got hopes that we might not have finished there. I'm looking at a list now. There's five other cities in front of me. Uh, sorry, I'm lying. Four other cities in front of me. And I'm hoping we can tick a couple of those off. I think we should have more rhyming pairs of towns after Chester <laughs> Leicester. You know, look at Northampton and Southampton. Um, there's 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 scope there. You know, Brighton well, and New Brighton. They can they can have some. You know, Northampton and Southampton. That should be some kind of war like the Koreas. You know, if if Doctor Zeus had his name above the door in hooked on events, then that would probably be the case. But as far I, I tend to I tend to look at it on where will we draw a crowd rather than where will the rhyming couplets be. I've always been I've always been I've, I've always enjoyed the fact that um, someone that was so keen on the rhyming couplets has always had his name mispronounced. Like, but it's Doctor Seuss. It's not Doctor Zeus. He's not the. Uh, You're kidding. He is not either the king of Roman gods or the you know the fella that wrestled Hogan in No Holds Barred. It is Doctor Seuss is who the who wrote those books. Can can I can I take can I take a moment while we talk about mispronunciations to, to 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 give Dean a message to pass on to his excellent co-host. Dean is the co-host, by the way, guys. I'm sure some of you should be aware of a brilliant podcast called Be Because WCW. Looking back on old WCW pay-per-views with a typical twisted genius uh, bit of humour and fantastic recall and sensible commentary from his cohort Liam. An offensive and Liam. Sorry. I said and swearing, and I said and offensiveness. We we really need we 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 really need to pick Liam up on his pronunciations for Tony Schiavone, or Tony Schiavone, <laughs> or whatever whatever way does it? It's it's it, it's it's just every, he seems to have a different pronunciation every week. Is it a rib? I mentioned this to him, and I don't know what happens. I I tell you what, Paul, I think that I think that next episode you need to come on as a guest and correct him yourself. Done. Done. Deal. Awesome. There you go. <laughs> to be fair, I mean, to be fair, in the lost recording of this podcast, I said Dean Ias last week, so I'm not, I'm not going to start criticising or for uh, either for that or for you, Paolo Beans on. Thank you very much, <laughs> Rob McNichol. That's excellent. Yeah, you can, you can bet your life my name's been pronounced a few different ways over the years. <laughs> Have you ever had any of those mishaps when you're because you're a live commentator, Dean, for uh, for One PW and for other um, companies? Have you ever had any moments where you've uh, you've gone completely blank, forgotten someone's name, or got it wrong, or something? 
Oh yeah. Um, if uh, if it's one that's recorded, then you just stop and just say it again and tell the producer so that they can edit it. If um, if uh, the, if you're um, if you're live, then then you just have to get on with it. And I mean, um, yeah, that, there have been times where I've called someone the wrong name or called a move the wrong name, and you just correct yourself and carry on with it. Um, there's I'm thinking actually there's one that's probably very politically incorrect. So I'll, I'll, I'll best not say that one on this one. Um, but yeah, generally you, you just you just have to plow on and and hope no one notices really. I think um, when I did the uh, an evening with Chris Jericho, uh, the thing that we did for PSI events, one of the two shows, I think I said something on the lines of um, I'm shortly going to come in the audience. And, and they all laughed uproariously and I genuinely didn't know what I'd said and I had this moment standing on stage with everyone laughing and I did I looked to Jericho and I went what did I say <laughs> and he was laughing and he, when we finished and I said about it he actually did say that was really funny and I went but what did I say and he went oh you didn't do it on purpose and I went no he, he thought it was quite a good um, um, quite a good little line <laughs> I didn't know what I'd said I genuinely wasn't quite sure what it was and I believe it was something along the lines of yes uh, I'm going to come in the audience and that is something which is uh, I'm going to suggest this is something that you should not do Dean for the next little bit of pluggage is that uh, Dean is about to follow in some hallowed footsteps people such as um, I'm going to say the great darts commentator John Gwynn um, is someone that has hosted uh, an evening with Bret Hart oh and so have I like eight times um, but uh, Dean is going to be uh, stepping into those auspicious shoes. Uh, Brett Hart is coming over here for kayfabe events and is going to be interviewed by the Twisted Genius himself. Uh, looking forward to it, Dino? Indeed. Now, just before we get on to that, we must point out, because this is something that has concerned you in the past, Rob, it's called kayfabe events, but that doesn't mean that the event isn't happening. The event is very much happening. Yes, it's not kayfabe news where you go online and it's like sort of an onion-style jokey news report this is a real thing I'm not happy about their name but other than that they seem like good guys and so I wish them all the success and wish you uh, all the very best in there in doing that I'm going to try and get along to one of the shows but yeah it's a good good thing to point out when plugging that something actually exists yes well um, we we, uh, we do have a couple of events before Bret Hart the one that I'm, I'm particularly looking forward to is um, April the 26th at the Hackney Showroom in Hackney in London we've got an evening with Austin Aries old Austin Fourbelts um, who isn't exactly known for being shy and retiring and not wishing to be too forthright on his opinion so that should be very interesting and then as you say we have got four nights with um, an evening with Bret Hart the first one is June the 5th at the Brighthelm Centre in Brighton, which um, if you're a local, um, that's the same venue that Riptide Wrestling use. I am ridiculously excited about that because basically I'm going to be hosting an evening with Bret Hart in my hometown. And if you told like the 16-year-old me that this was happening, I would have um, told you to <laughs> call my new tin person. Um, then we are uh, the following night, June the 6th, we're in Portland House in Cardiff. Uh, June the 7th for Queen Elizabeth Hall in Oldham and on June the 8th Bush Hall in London um, so that's the 5th in Brighton the 6th in Cardiff the 7th in Oldham the 8th in London what part of London um, is that sir? Where, where is Bush Hall? that is a very good question Rob and it is one that I'm just clicking the link on Bush Hall now to find I think, I think it's in Shepherd's Bush is it not? 
It is. I, it, <laughs> made, it makes sense. <laughs> I think it, it is. Was, um, in, indeed, it's uh, yes, W12. That's that's Shepherd's Bush. I remember the old uh, the old BBC studios having that that postcard postcode what, when they would. London W12 6 LA. As I recall from watching live and kicking. Um, Dean, I, still, I, want you, yeah. I want to set you a challenge, by the way. When you bring Brett to uh, to Brighton, I will pay for your drinks for the evening if I can have a photo of Brett drinking a shot of Tuaka in the Lion and Lobster. <laughs> <laughs> That's your challenge. What, what, with a Brighton Hove Albion scarf around his neck or something? That op- optional, optional, but it's the Tuaka and the Lion and Lobster that, that we're going to win it for I you. don't know if we'd be, we'd be going there. Now, I must, I must tell a story of uh, a few years ago, um, on, it's actually on Halloween night several years ago, uh, Paul and I have both found ourselves in Brighton at the Lion and Lobster, <laughs> upstairs on the roof terrace in high winds and torrential rain, but for some reason we were all stood drinking on the roof terrace, no selling it. And at the end of the evening, Paul in front of his uh, his other non-wrestling mates said to me, oh, go on, give me a chop. And uh, I said, are, you, are you sure you want me to do this? He goes, yeah, yeah, give me a chop. And I said... It will hurt. Yeah, okay, give me a chop. I said, okay. So I basically gave Paul a chop, and he virtually fell to the floor in agony. Um, and while his friends laughed and Paul softly wept to himself, I did have to explain that I'm not a wrestler, and therefore it's safe to assume that a wrestler's chop would be ten times harder than the one I just delivered on him. Is that, that why, well. out of nowhere, when we did the uh, the Royal Rumble party... You just chopped me. Did I? Yeah. (laughs) Someone did. I'm I'm fairly certain it was you. Just at some point during the evening, just went chop, and I just again went. What what was that for exactly? So I'm I'm fairly certain it was that one. Maybe you've got some sort of secret bet that we don't know about, where you've got to chop your mates, and when you get ten of those, then you uh, get some sort of bonus. I don't know. It's a thing they do in Japan because they'll get um, like businessmen that will sponsor events and you know like house shows or something, and then all of the wrestlers or a bunch of the wrestlers will then go out for dinner with the sponsor, and it seems to become some sort of tradition that the wrestlers will then chop the ever living crap out of the uh, sponsor who's just put on the meal and the show for them. It's- Odd then, way of saying things, but you know. And then there is uh, litigation about that, and that's how you get the term chop suey. Um, so moving on. Um, oh, that was terrible. I know it was, but it's uh, that's part of what I'm here for. Um, and that's Chinese, not Japanese. I, I, I didn't. Oh no, I didn't say it was anything to do with it. Oh no, don't don't get me started on whether it was uh, a race thing. It was a pure pun on two words. It was nothing to do with what uh, uh, what the nations were. I see. And um, if I could just finish off my plug in by saying that the next big uh, IPW show is on Sunday, March the 18th at the Clapham Grand, which is a venue that uh, hooked on wrestling fans in London area may be very familiar with. Um, and we have got a fantastic show with double main event of Jimmy Havoc versus Jimmy Jacobs. And then a match that I'm really, really looking forward to commentating on to celebrate Doug Williams' 25 years in wrestling. Um, it is Doug Williams against his old foe, the fallen angel Christopher Daniels, um, which will be amazing. That sounds absolutely brilliant, actually. That will be a, a really cracking show. And we're particularly interested in the in the main event there because um, 
Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware, uh, Dean, but we've been trying to do a, a sort of a gym of the week um, feature on here. We started with um, having the Hall of Famer uh, Jim Ross on the first episode of the new season. Then we had Hall of Famer Jim Duggan. Uh, and then we had um, uh, we had Gail Kim, which is nearly a gym. It's just next door, next but one on the keyboard. Um, yeah. And then we had Nick Aldis, who had just come from the gym and is married to Mickey James, whose name is the long form of Jim. Um, so obviously we need to try and work out at some point tonight we need to work out how you're a gym in there somewhere um, but what you've just done is you've told us about two jimmies that are main eventing a <coughs> excuse me a main eventing a show so, sorry while I die here <coughs> um, two jimmies that are main eventing a show um, and it actually prompts me to last week so in the, uh, the the lost podcast so when we get 100 likes and I have to put that out you will actually hear me interviewing uh, little Jimmy from uh, our truth fame, so that'll be uh, that'll be good for everyone, won't it? <laughs> but in all seriousness, that sounds like an absolutely belting show. De- um, um, having Doug versus Christopher Daniels is uh, that's um well they say main event anywhere in the world, but seriously, I I would go to any show that had that on. Yeah, Christopher Daniels is is just one of the one of the best wrestlers I've ever seen, and one of the nicest guys. Well, I mean. I, I actually there was a time in the FWA that uh, they had the Doug V Daniels match and I was was Christopher Daniels manager for the night because the storyline was I was I'd hired him to try and take the FWA belt off of Doug and um, there were a couple of occasions where we basically like almost telepathically communicated with each other without speaking or anything and there's there's only been two wrestlers I've ever worked with that have done that and Christopher Daniels was one and uh, the late Drew McDonald was the other so yeah that's how that's the the instinct for the business that the guy's got he is absolutely phenomenal I was kind of hoping you were going to say the other one was Papa Shango then but uh, never mind yeah. That would have been good. Okay, <clears throat> are we done on the uh, the first level of plugging here, boys? Is there anything else we need to uh, get out of our system? I think I think we need to move on now, really, don't we, for the sake of our audience? Thank so, you for putting. At least we make these things entertaining. Eh? Well, we we do we do our best by having these little uh, uh, segues and tangents and uh, and rubbish jokes along the way. Uh, so we uh, we do try for you, ladies and gentlemen. Um, right, okay, let's talk about some uh, some current issues. Um, we spent a great deal of last week's Lost podcast talking about the Raw that never happened. Uh, sorry, the, the Raw um, before Elimination Chamber, which was an absolutely belting Raw. And um, we won't go into detail on it here because it's not really very topical anymore. But just very quickly, boys, um, this I'm talking, of course, about the Raw in which we had a basically almost a two-hour match um, involving all the participants in the Elimination Chamber. Seth Rollins going a long time. There being all sorts of uh, shenanigans building up to the um, the pay-per-view. And I think we all agreed, absolutely sensational, Paul. Oh, yeah, absolutely amazing. And it was not a star-making performance from Seth Rollins, but a star relaunch, I would say. Yeah. Um, and I think he carried that on in the chamber. I think there seems to be something that's clicked within Rollins. Um, that match had a lot of great things come out of it. It said a lot of masters, but one of them was telling the audience look this guy is credible he, we might have put him on the back burner for the last six months but it's Wrestlemania season and he needs to be taken seriously I think everyone needs their I kind of USP I don't know if that's the right expression but everyone needs their position on the card for you to appreciate them to like them so whether it's you know Santino doing comedy or it's Braun Strowman wrecking stuff or whatever it might be they seem to have worked out that the best thing to do with Rollins um, is wrestling 
and uh, you know it's a, it's a novel concept, but uh, it's one that I think uh, that it might it might catch on, Dean. Definitely. I mean, I, I do think that the the performance he had on Raw, they've already kind of referred back to it on on the pay per view and on Raw. I think in the same way that years ago Chris Jericho, they keep referring to the time that you know Chris Jericho beat the Rock and Steve Austin on the same night to become the undisputed champion. They're going to talk about for many many years to come. They'll talk about. Do you remember the night when when Seth Rollins wrestled for over an hour and pinned Roman Reigns and John Cena on the same night? It's a real launch pad, and it's yeah. You know, he's he's always going to be up at that certain level now because of that. Yeah, I think so, and I think so, and I think it did a good job of um, you know, pushing a bit of interest in a in a pay per view, which I have to say at that point I wasn't massively um, looking forward to, and certainly between watching Raw and the Elimination Chamber it piqued my interest a bit uh, I've subsequently watched Elimination Chamber, not my favourite pay-per-view ever, in fact basically it kind of reinforced me that the only thing I really cared about on that match was indeed the only thing they really pushed hard which was that Men's Elimination Chamber um, we all knew the result we all predicted Roman Reigns, it wasn't a tough uh, prediction contest there but I did feel you know, despite the fact that it was an obvious uh, winner and everyone might have their own reservations about the winner. I still felt it was a really, really good match. What did you think, Paul? Um, it's an interesting one. I, 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 I've watched that match twice now, um, and I still don't know what to make of it. I genuinely don't. Like, I can't decide whether it was a phenomenal match or just a series of guys hitting their finishes on each other um, in the same sequence. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I don't often sit on the fence for these things, but two watches through and I can't decide whether I like it or not that's just odd what made you watch um, it again what made you watch it again for that very reason right. for that very reason because I, did, I couldn't I felt, have, I, have I not paid attention to it properly have I because I knew we'd be talking about this week so I wanted to have an angle on it and my, I suppose my angle is that it's confused the hell out of me look there were some really good individual performances obviously the MVP in the end was Braun Strowman and he was meant to look the strongest but I don't know I don't know I just think I don't know if it's the Roman Reigns effect where it was just a cloud hanging over the match the way you knew Reigns was going to win and it almost felt and this is so silly I feel silly even saying it but it felt like the, the stronger Strowman looked the more disappointed I was going to be in the finish because I, you know I don't hate Roman Reigns as much as most people I hate the way he's pushed down our throats um, and you just knew like Braun Strowman was going to take everything that everyone could put out and, and it was going to take a couple of spears for Reigns to do it and I just thought it's just not doing it for me at all but a lot of what we saw was was good to great really enjoyed it and I just I just but it feels to me you know maybe maybe 20 years ago Vince McMahon would have called an audible mid-match and just said give it to Strowman the guy like there's there's the, the pro, and it's a bigger overarching problem is they've got the most over guy that's been on the roster for for a long, long time as a natural, organic babyface, and they're sidelining him in favour of someone who's flat. Now I know we'll come onto the promo that Reigns made on Raw on Monday, and it was fantastic. We'll get onto that later and what it means for for the WrestleMania card. But I just can't shake the feeling that it should be Ro- uh, Braun Strowman. Okay, I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's silly at all because that's exactly what I was thinking and. You know, I did come out of that thinking how much more interest would there be 
and how much more buzz would there be in a Lesnar v Strowman main event? Um, but ultimately, WrestleMania sells on the fact that it's WrestleMania. Yes. Um, the main event is actually probably less important than than a lot of the other. You know, some some of the some of the fantastic main events we've had on the so-called B shows. You know, the um, the, the matches involving Lesnar and Strowman and Samoa Joe. Um, and and the the one where we had AJ Styles and Finn Balor wrestling each other as well. Yeah, they they've been shows that have been drawn on the main event. WrestleMania just draws by its name alone. And I I just I get the feeling that they know that Lesnar's contract is up. Dana White has just now said that there's a very very good chance that he'll be returning to the UFC how much of that is true and how much of that is just um, you know trying to drive the bargaining chip chip up I, I don't know but the plan all along as we, we know has been for, for Reigns to, to get his win over the seemingly unbeatable Lesnar and I guess Vince is thinking if I don't pull the trigger now I'm never going to pull the trigger I think the answer to this is and I have said this for the last couple of years at least is follow the example um, that was set by The Rock where he, as Rocky Maivia, was being shoved down people's throats in much the same way, but over a short period of time. Have Lesnar, uh, have Reigns beat Lesnar, and then turn Reigns heel, because that's what people want, and people will actually want to boo him, and he will get, in inverted commas, the correct reaction. And the reason they haven't done that before is because there hasn't been another big baby face to take over and you've now got that in Strowman and the heel side is weak um, so you can shift Reigns over to the heel side he'll get a load of fresh opponents you've got Strowman to take his place as the top line baby face against him and and everyone's happy right that's all well and good and I'm not disagreeing with any of that um, but we will naturally take this on to what happened on Raw then um just in case anyone hasn't seen it on Raw, there's a spoiler about to come. If you've not seen Raw yet and you don't want to hear it, you know, stop this now and uh, you know, come back after you've seen it. But I'm going to carry on. It's and it's not massive, but basically, Reigns came out on Raw. They were they teased a Reigns face to face, you know, um, sort of face off if you want, with um, Bro uh, with Brock Lesnar, and Reigns came out, talked some, um, talked some. Uh, smack about Brock Lesnar and did a did a line which obviously was scripted but it was it was meant to sound unscripted where he said look they don't want in the back they don't want me to tell you this and I'm going to get in trouble but Lesnar's not here he was meant to be here about half an hour ago they said oh he's not coming um, he's hanging out with Dana White rather than coming to our pay per view he's not interested in WWE he's not interested in you fans I'm here every night so is everyone else we're working really hard screw Brock Lesnar I don't respect him. And so what they're trying to do is they're trying to set up WWE versus UFC, effectively. Um, I think they're playing off of the reaction that Brock Lesnar got uh, however many years ago. What was that, WrestleMania 20, was it? Um, with him and Goldberg? Yeah. Um, so aside from the fact that Goldberg was also leaving at that time and it turned into a complete cluster, they are going for the WWE fans booing the hell out of Lesnar because he's leaving them again. Therefore, they will cheer Roman Reigns and in the first instance in Anaheim California I always think it's important to try and put the the city on these things because Roman is going to get a different reaction depending on where he is in the country some people are more 
follow the mainstream reaction. Some are a bit more obtuse, such as places like Chicago and Philadelphia and Toronto, and we all know the places. Um, but this felt that it got the reaction it was supposed to. Um, I thought it was a stroke of genius. I had not thought about it at all until I watched Raw. But the way that was handled, the way it was done by Roman, I thought his delivery was excellent. I thought he was likeable um, for the first time in a very, very long time. Because that's been part of the problem, is that even when he's gone for the likeability, he's still got that air of cockiness about him. But this felt intense. It felt like he meant it. Maybe he does mean it. Maybe that's why it's so good. But he seemed, it was very, very similar to the Cena rock, um, I'm here all the time, you're just Hollywood popping in. It was that sort of thing. But it seemed to resonate. I know there are some people that do feel like that about Lesnar. And I think without a shadow of a doubt, Roman Reigns was delivering lines that were getting proper cheers. I mean, that has not happened for a long time. And I also want to point out briefly, we'll talk about Cena later. But Cena came out at a different point during the show and was trying to be earnest. And they were booing him. So this was not necessarily one of those crowds that just goes yay to WWE for everything they do. They gave Cena a hard time. But they didn't Roman. And I think that's really, really important to note that maybe, just maybe, he struck a chord there. And, you know, some people will just want to hate on Roman whatever he does, and some people will just want to love Roman whatever he does. And I think it's important for us to react to what we see, not what we think we're going to see or what we want to see. And I think that really got to the reaction it was desired. Paul, how much do you think that that was accident rather than design? How clever do you think WWE are being in this? And is... Brock and Dana White, are they complicit? Do you think they're they're going along with what the script is? Yeah, I do, I do. I think I think this is incredibly smart. How how much of it's by design? Um, I'm not sure. You one could hypothesize that this has been in the work this has been the plan all along and this has been the way it's going to be played all along you know using the fact that fans are upset with Lesnar essentially taking the belt and going home for a year to turn Reigns into a baby face and if they can make it happen and I'll, I'll throw in a caveat of saying I'm not completely sure they can in the short space time given damage already done to Roman Reigns but if they can it's an absolute masterstroke you know you look at all the if and I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talking through this I'm going to work on the assumption that everything about it's a work but if you if you take that you know they announced Lesnar for Raw as a face off with the winner of the Elimination Chamber knowing full well that's never going to happen but they're announcing it so it's you know these things we know as wrestling fans if something's announced for Raw by and large, it happens, unless there's a really good reason. Now, uh, parallel to that, you've got Brock Lesnar being photographed on Twitter or Instagram or whatever, wearing a UFC shirt in Vegas while the pay-per-view's on, stood next to Dana White. When that came out over the weekend, before all this started, I was like, that's a bit naughty, isn't it? That's a bit cheeky of, of Lesnar. What if Vince McMahon was stood there just out of shot, laughing his bollocks off, laughing his, laughing his head off the whole time? Then... You know, you've got all this stuff, you know, the background noise about Lesnar's contract and will he or won't he go to UFC. Dana White coming out today and saying there's a very, very good chance he comes back to UFC. Maybe that's all part of it. Maybe this is what's going to be the thing that turns reins. The fact that, like you said, they're evoking that spirit of WrestleMania 20. Maybe they want the fans at WrestleMania to think that Lesnar's already got one foot out of the door. Maybe he'll walk down the ramp with a UFC t-shirt on. Maybe Reigns will be fighting as their advocate and giving the big middle finger to Brock Lesnar on his way out the door. It's a phenomenal attempt at getting Reigns cheered. 
and I would probably say that if it doesn't work then nothing will true true but definitely I think step one has worked really well Paul texted Agreed. me in the week say, about Roman this was before Raw I assume I think you were watching Elimination Chamber and Paul sent me a text essentially saying you know these fans still don't like Roman uh, I don't like Roman it's easy to see why you don't like him they're knackered how are they going to go out on Wrestlemania with this being the last match and him winning the title and leaving Wrestlemania on booze again that's essentially what you were saying now leaving aside for the fact that there's there's half a conversation here about whether or not Ronda Rousey's match goes on last but we'll put that to one side just for the time being we'll put that in a little box and come back to it but assuming that Roman and Brock go on last the answer to your question to me may just have been solved I don't think it's going to be universal you know, I don't think everybody... And there is a certain type of person that goes to WrestleMania, which is probably going to be more anti-Roman than there would be just a normal Raw crowd. I think we have to factor that in. Um, but I am really, really intrigued on on how they've gone about it. Um, to you, Dean, as someone that, you know, you give classes on how people should, you know, do promos, and you spend a lot of time as a, as a villain on the British indie circuit as a manager, what did you think of Roman's delivery you know how he did that promo on Raw because to me I thought he changed his delivery and I thought he showed a little bit more off the cuff way of speaking it wasn't like he was trying to remember lines and I just wonder as I said a couple of minutes ago whether or not that's because he actually meant what he was saying he, he could very yeah he could very well be I mean what I've noticed and it was it was something that we we discussed in the in the lost podcast when we were talking about the the gauntlet match and you saw it again with some of the things with Cena, is that the 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 promos seem to be gearing or veering more towards kind of like the legit sports promo as opposed to the wrestling promo at the moment. And and to me, it's a very welcome change. Um, and they were kind of you know the Roman Reigns promo there was kind of gearing towards it. And yeah, as you say, the way he delivered it came across as very very authentic and I mean one of the things I, I say to people um, especially when they're when they're heels and without wishing to name drop it was something that I was told by by Terry Funk when I worked with him that stuck in my head forevermore is that every heel should always in their in their own mind should always think that their actions are totally justified so no matter how outrageous your your actions are the heel has got to think there's an absolute justified reason and actually this kind of transcends the face heel divide in that you know you could say that what roman is is saying there you know he he feels is justified and people wrestling fans feel is justified and you know it, it goes it goes back to what i was saying earlier about the hooked on wrestling parties actually that one of the great things about that is whether you know. So let's take the the Lesnar Reigns match. The the great thing about if you if you went to a hooked on wrestling party and you watched WrestleMania, whether you were wanting Lesnar to win or whether you're wanting Reigns to win, you are both fans of WWE, and that is the common denominator that that bonds everyone together. So if you can then get the the people who love the WWE who love wrestling to to cheer Reigns because Brock Lesnar is leaving the wrestling to go to the UFC, then you've got the best chance, even if it's for one night, you've got the best chance of getting all these people to um, 
to cheer Roman Reigns. But I mean, going back to what we we're saying about you know, are, are the UFC in on this and do they know what's going on? Look, I've said, I, I've always said for years, I think the UFC is a wrestling promotion in disguise. They do the same thing as the WWE. They have matches. They want to put bums on seats. They want to 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 you know, have situations that draw the most controversy, talk, Google searches, and so on. So Dana White knows how to pique people's interest. The UFC have always been very, very smart with their social media. And so whether it was literally a case of, you know, Brock Lesnar could have dropped in to see Dana White a month ago and they've only just released that photograph. Yeah, we don't know yes. who was in, in Las Vegas. Dana White is working all of the wrestling fans and he is getting he's getting the, the clicks and the hits and the attention and the Google searches for it. He's a businessman and at the end of the day he's always said how much he respects Vince and you know there's there's no downside here, is there? There there's the symbiosis of having both of them you know, when Brock Lesnar fights for UFC again, you know, a lot of it it, it is a fact you know, Paul, Paul will hopefully back me up on this because he knows I don't know a lot about MMA. But my understanding is, is basically a fact that UFC's viewing and figures and everything went up when Lesnar was fighting because obviously wrestling fans were migrating to watch their guy rest, you know, to watch their guy fight. And obviously UFC want that to happen because they want extra viewers that might go, oh, I quite like this, and they'll stick around. And you know that is why they have you know employed someone like CM Punk. All right, that's not come off for them, but you know they know their marketing and they know who they can bring over so I think they're absolutely all in on it and you know good for them I hope they are um, one extra point that uh, you but, made but you... Can, I, can I just jump in to yeah. say there's there's another important thing to consider with, with Lesnar if he does go back to the UFC and this is something that, that rubs a lot of people up the wrong way you know, Lesnar had his last UFC fight against Mark Hunt, which was that he had whilst he was under a WWE contract. He failed a drugs test. He has he has been he's got a one year suspension by the USADA, which I think they they froze when he retired. He would still have to serve the remainder of that ban and and be tested randomly during that that time while he's training before the fight. When that was revealed, it then it was then revealed that Brock Lesnar, because he is a part-time performer, he is not subject to the WWE's wellness policy because apparently that is to do with protecting full-time employees, which seems the most ridiculous, twisted logic I've ever heard in my life. But so you've you've basically got I I I would imagine and this is pure speculation on my part, but I would imagine that there is a resentment, a genuine resentment among some of the WWE locker room that they are tested so often. I mean, Roman Reigns um, himself has said that since he was last, he was suspended previously and he's passed 11 tests successfully since then. So, you know, all these guys are having to be tested and, and do things clean. And Lesnar can come in looking enormous and probably, and again, I'm saying, I'm speculating and saying allegedly because I don't know, but, you know, it, it, he could be, uh, looking that size and looking that good by less than natural means, judging by what's happened previously, 
there must be some kind of resentment there that he's he's essentially getting special treatment by the WWE guys. If Brock Lesnar then goes back to the UFC, he will get resentment from the UFC guys because he's a drug cheat. I mean, Mark Hunt was was livid and and has has been very forthright in his opinions about that. Michael Bisping has refused to fight Yoel Romero because he said he's a drug cheat as well. So there is a definite stigma there. So wherever Brock Lesnar goes, and I don't think Brock Lesnar cares because he's not exactly a people person, but he is going to face resentment. And I think that that aspect to the to the smart fans, those who know both MMA and UF uh, and, and and WWE, they're they're playing on that as well. So they're uh, knowing that those type of fans will be at WrestleMania. So they're kind of catering for everyone here. And that's the smartest thing of all. I mean, I think it was Raven that said that the uh, the people that know think they know the most are the ones that are the easiest to fool. And so if people are yeah. getting all het up about him leaving, or if it's UFC fans getting het up about the drug test and whatever. Um, like you said previously, when you said about watching the uh, the Raw Rumble uh, at the Clapham Grand, you can see that people care. People making a cheer or a boo one way or another is a reaction. And if people have a you know a reaction to something, if they actually care about it, um, you know, then they will uh, they will buy into that um, buy into that match. And if you you know contrast the the reactions to the Elimination Chamber matches compared to say Matt Hardy versus Bray Wyatt and Titus O'Neil's match. Um, you had a crowd that were basically silent on uh, Sunday night, and then you had a crowd that were really, really into something. So a- apathy is the uh, is the enemy, really. And so I think if you can, you have people caring one way or another. You know, even if UFC fans go, oh, I hate this Lesnar. Oh, I'm not going to watch him anymore. He's a cheat. Blah blah blah. They'll be watching. They'll be watching. They will watch. They will watch to see him lose. Yeah. I always remember, have you, have you ever seen the film Private Parts, um, the biography of Howard Stern? I have not. There's a really interesting scene in there where um, he is getting very high ratings by by being, let's say, somewhat anarchic, and the the it's portrayed, you know, the suits at the at the radio station really don't like him. And their, their, their um, statistics, their demographics basically show that the average person who loves him tunes in for an average of like, you know, 58 minutes. The person that hates him tunes in for like an hour and 28 minutes. They, the people that hated him tuned in longer so they, had, they could listen to him more to complain about him more. So the, in in the wrestling business, the worst thing is indifference. And you talk about the the Matt Hardy Bray Wyatt match. I'll correct you. The crowd weren't silent. The crowd were very noisy. Unfortunately, the crowd were very noisy because someone had a beach ball in the audience. And when the beach ball was taken away, they started doing random chants like Rusev Day to amuse themselves. Which basically <laughs> says that apart from when Matt Hardy was going delete, 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 the crowd were indifferent, and that is the worst thing in the wrestling business. It is. I, I entirely agree. Um, and uh, I just wanted to come back to one other thing you said a little bit earlier, which was um, you talked about what Terry Funk said to you in terms of the, you know, having a, a heel um, believe in what they're saying. I think you can have an, another side to that. I think the babyface needs to believe as well. And I think, you know, I think something that. <laughs> I think Cena's probably done, I don't, I don't want to get too digressed onto Cena just yet, but I think something that Cena's doing a good job with is is making it seem legitimate that he's got this sort of crisis of confidence and then he's fighting back to 
find his own route to WrestleMania because I don't think anyone's really buying the idea that Cena wouldn't have a WrestleMania match. I think we're going, well, you always have it. Last year you didn't have a title match and you wrestled with your wife or your fiancé on the night against Miz and his missus. So it's like, you've not really, there's not really a chance that Cena wouldn't be in a match because everyone's in a match at some point and they, uh, everyone, everyone would understand how you would get in one, wouldn't they? So I think he's doing quite a good job of trying to sell you know, some emotion, but I think it's probably quite hard for him, because he's probably really going, well, this doesn't really make a lot of sense. And I've certainly talked about the nature of, I forget where I get this expression from, but certainly I've heard other people mention it before, but, you know, the, the nature of being all in. You know, you can, you can see people that have a gimmick sometimes, and they don't really believe in what they're doing, but other people just absolutely chuck themselves headlong into it. And those are the... You've I, got ju- to. I tell you someone that's done that, Elias has done that. You know, from from, yeah. the, from the drifter or from whatever to what we've got, Elias Sampson to Elias, he's thrown himself into that character and he's done what he's needed to do and he's in a good position now. But there are other people that would have gone, this is a bloody stupid gimmick, and they wouldn't have they'd have done it a bit half-assed with a bit of a wink as if to say, oh, I'm not really, I'm not really doing this. I know what I'm doing, and they wouldn't get to you know where they need to be. And so I think I think yeah. it works. I think it works two ways, um, in terms of the babyface needing to mean it and the, the heel needing to mean it and. And I think particularly the heel side of things, which is what you were talking about, I think if you look at some of the you know, the great heels, you know, through history, you can see that in, in what they were saying, that they believed in what they were saying. You know, whether it's um you know, Bobby Heenan or Jake the Snake Roberts or the Miz or um Nigel Farage, whoever it is, you can sort of tell that they're they're acting the heel as opposed to uh, well, in my opinion, I suppose that's just there's just a split 52 to 48 percent of our listening audience um <laughs> so uh, i do i do apologize for that but i just watch i do think i do sometimes think that um i think i actually think that uh, nigel farage is an incredibly intelligent man that knows exactly what he's doing i said i said we weren't going to mention the snow anymore but he actually tweeted something today about uh, oh look it's snowing in london you know here's more proof that global warming doesn't exist and i sort of think you can't be that stupid mate you cannot be, he must know, Trump could, Trump can be that stupid, but I don't think that Farage is that stupid. He must know what he's doing, must he? Do you know what I think? Getting a reaction. Yeah. He's getting a reaction, yeah, so I think, I think Nigel Farage is basically the Miz. I think he knows what he's doing, he's, he's, he's just, he's a good heel, he gets the right reaction. A very and, good heel. Yeah. Yeah, that's who he is, isn't he? He's the, he's the Miz Farage. That's what it is. Hey. <laughs> oh, brilliant. That was excellent. The Miz Farage. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah what, what, you, what you said there, yeah, we, we talked about the, when I've done like promo character seminars, and that is one of the things I say to people is that you have got to believe that you are that character from the moment you step through the curtain. So, you know, if, if, I, if I'm doing a show, the moment I go through that curtain, I am the twisted genius. I'm not Dean anymore. I am that character. And if you're a wrestler, the, you know, one, one of the things that, that rookies especially forget is if you're in a tag match and you're on your tag rope, you are still that character. You should still be acting like that character rather than acting yourself. And it's something that, um, that William Regal says about very simply, he just says, um, it's all in the eyes. He says, if if someone doesn't believe their character, you can see it in their eyes, and as soon as the the audience look in your eyes and see that, they'll lose interest in you. I'm, I'm pleased you said that about the eyes. It gives me a little segue. It's not the same thing you're talking about, but it gives me a little segue, and I'm not going to be able to do this properly because it's a an audio um, medium rather than being a, a visual one. But uh, 
you, you guys will be familiar with the, the sitcom Father Ted, in which uh, the character of Father the Dougal is played by Ardell O'Hanlon. And um, I've heard Graham Linehan, who's one of the writers of Father Ted, once say, you know, the difference between Ardell and Dougal is very subtle, but basically he just widens his eyes. You know, you, you can actually just watch him being, here's Ardell, here's <laughs> the actor, and as soon as his eyes widen, you go, oh, it's Dougal. It's just a, a little, tiny little mannerism. Now, I would argue that you, I'm talking for you here, you can correct me, but I bet your little trigger for that is your headdress. I bet once that goes on, you change. I bet that's, it's just a tiny little thing, but I bet you sort of, I bet you, if you went out without that, you wouldn't be the same, would you? Uh, no, because I do, I do manage without the headdress at times as well. I mean, or, or even if I'm, even if I'm um, commentating, I'm still a character as such. But yeah, but you're not the same heel, are you? When you're commentating, you're not the same guy. No, no. no. Um, I, I mean, for, I didn't have the, the headdress for a number of years. I think. Do you know what? I think it's actually just getting into the costume. It is literally because yeah. you're, you know, you're literally getting changed. You're literally taking off your normal clothes, putting on your costume. And, you know, because another thing I say to people: you should you should never wear something that you could walk down the street in, because then you just look like an ordinary person. So, you know, although I might wear a suit, and I could wear a suit if I was doing my, my food shopping or something, I wouldn't be walking down Tesco in a suit that's got the twisted genius written on the back in sequins. Probably so, not. No, especially when you're asking for the gluten-free muffins. Although, to be fair, if I could get away with it anywhere in the country, it would be in Brighton. Yeah, or Camden. Uh, or Camden. Yeah, or Camden, yeah, because yeah. no one backslided there. But, um, but yeah, it's once I think it's once you get changed. And the thing that I, I know and I get told by people, actually, we're going back to the eyes again, is that when I go into character, I have a slight permanent scowl and like the the skin between my eyes sort of tucks in a little bit and i i have a different look on my face and and that's when i know i'm in character you mentioned regal just now i would argue that one with him again this is talking for him i might be wrong here because i was slightly wrong with yours but if you had a man standing there and you know let's i don't like doing this you know going all smart ass and knowing people's names but he's called darren so if it is darren standing there and if you said to him okay now be regal I think without you know without changing his costume or without changing anything, he would slightly change the expression on his face. But I tell you what he would do: he would put one arm behind his back and Regal, tilt his head. Regal stands there. Regal stands with his arm behind his back. That's what he does. That's a that is a Stephen Regal, Lord Stephen Regal, William Regal thing, to have his arm behind the back in a sort of pompous way. And it's like it's just tiny little tells like that that I think the. Are ever, are ever so important and I think it just it just helps that little character you know a little twist so um, we've gone slightly off there but I enjoyed that it was a good little uh, uh, good little um, segue um, bringing it back to where we were um, just going to put a bow on the whole Roman Brock uh, stuff like that um, Paul how confident are you that they can sort of carry this all the way through to Wrestlemania and do you think they might need to be quite sparing with it I think they're in a, quite a good position right now so it feels to me that the less they can have Brock and Roman do and I think they might rely quite heavily on video packages that kind of thing and I'm not sure I would like to see Roman wrestle all that much because if the issue is Roman just beats everyone and is thrust down our throat I could see an argument for saying not many matches from Roman you know just sort of keep him doing the little the little sound bites that work I think they have to find they have to find a really subtle line, and it's not going to be very easy. 
but you're right we don't want to see Superman that's categorically been proved that that's not what the fans want and that's going to turn them off on one hand you need to play up the boogeyman you need to play up Brock Lesnar so you know you've got to carry on this flirting with UFC all the players who are involved had to carry on playing those parts if Dana is on board as we think keep dropping those hints keep leaking to the dirt sheets because then you know everyone believes you know the people they want to try and win over all believe those dirt sheets as gospel um so they need to keep leaking there effectively um on screen they need to, you know lesnar's going to be off it for the most part and that plays into the story that's fantastic they've got to make sure that Heyman plays into that as well you know last time out he went all in on praising Roman Reigns last time they met at Wrestlemania this time maybe it should be slightly different maybe maybe Heyman should take a stronger line against him the most important element is how they portray Roman Reigns and yeah like I just said they don't want him to be Superman so what do you do you know it, my first instinct was is say you know pull back the curtain a bit on who Reigns is but you know you start talking about his family um, is you know both his generations past in the wrestling business and his kids and you, you start getting to the territory of it being schmaltzy uh, it's hard and I haven't got an answer but luckily there's wiser minds than me who are working on this um, and I, I just think that they have to everything has to be quite subtle the key point is that it has to be real and there has to be these fans who really truly believe that Lesnar's going to UFC um, and if they do that and if they can get to Wrestlemania where they think this is Lesnar's last match and he's ditching them for a big payday and Reigns hasn't destroyed their heroes constantly, then maybe they'll get where they need to be. Maybe. And then, maybe. And then turn him heel the next night. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know, one, one route they can go down is, you know, maybe is especially if you think about you know, the fact that they, they faced each other. Uh, what WrestleMania was that? It was a few years ago 30, now, wasn't it? 31. 31. You know, you could even look at the number of matches that Roman Reigns has wrestled since then compared to the number of matches Brock Lesnar's wrestled. Um, yeah, you could... I don't know how, how close to the, the wind they want to sell. You could even mention that, you know, Roman Reigns has had a, a wellness suspension because he's tested and, and, and Lesnar isn't. I don't know if that's a direction they would necessarily want to go in being a publicly traded company, but... There's there's lots of things that you know that you can do to kind of show that whether you know whether you you like Roman Reigns or not you've got to respect him because he's you know he's the full time workhorse and he doesn't just pick and choose his dates like Lesnar does and then, as you said Paul kind of go along the the, the scene of the rock part time full time direction. If there's ever a time that they're going to come out with those sort of statements about the uh, the wellness failures and stuff, it's now. They, they do. Uh, they love a little, uh, a little insider line in the build-up to a WrestleMania, as if to think that uh, someone's broken script. So, um, I would expect that to come out. I would expect it to come from Heyman, or maybe actually, when well, Heyman can be talking about something, and then Lesnar can grab the mic off him and then say it, and then Heyman can do that kind of "I can't believe he said that" sort of line. Um, but also, just to follow up on something you said, Paul, um, about Paul Heyman's, you know, direction when he's talking about. You said last time he praised. Reigns, you know, this time maybe you'll go after him. I think Heyman's going to go after the company. I think Heyman can talk about what a crappy company WWE is and how its fans are idiots and you know how Great Bro shout. Brock is going to get out of here, you know, and go to somewhere better. And you know, Heyman's a genius; he can do that. I mean, there's the people that would still ultimately love him, but you know, he can get each individual crowd booing him, basically by saying, "You people have turned up, but you're not good enough." Um, 
you know, for Brock Lesnar, and he's leaving for some from a better class of audience. Um, and I think that's a, another good way of uh, going down that heel route. And uh, just speaking of uh, family, just a little aside from Raw, I don't know if you noticed it, that uh, it was something that was done off mic, but it was picked up by the uh, the sound anyway, was that uh, while the, f- the fans were singing uh, or chanting, Oscar's going to kill you, um, to Alexa Bliss, did you hear what Mickey James said? No. Bom. Mickey James to uh, Alexa, in character, was a funny line, they were singing, Oscar's going to kill you, and Mickey James said, she's not even Samoan. Or something like that. She said she definitely said something about being Samoan, as if as if to say, that's the that's the Samoa Joe chant. The Joe's gonna kill you. Yeah. And uh he, he she went she's not even she's not even Samoan. Why are they saying that? Which I just thought was quite funny. Because I it can't have been deliberate for the crowd to hear, or for, you know, for the audience to hear, because she didn't say into the mic. So um, I just think it was probably like a little in joke. She was probably trying to sort of crack people up, you know, in the ring or something. I don't know, but I, I thought it was, I thought it was a funny line. But I also didn't think it was totally, you know, it wasn't a sort of break character line. It was just a, I just thought quite funny and a little, uh, a little note that I picked up on. Um, while we're uh, while we're talking about the women, um, what do we think of the uh, the women's chamber match? Did it hold up, Dean? Um, it was it was enjoyable. I think, you know, the way I like the way they told the the story because you kind of I didn't really expect there to be many or any eliminations before Alexa Bliss got in because I thought then you know that the the odds would be stacked against her and actually they did they did it the other way around where most people got eliminated before she even got in and it was a good narrative and then obviously you had the the Sasha and Bailey stuff which which then panned out on on Raw as well um, and I, I, you know, I did, I did enjoy it. It was kind of um, the the heel sneaking out through the back door kind of victory. Uh, I don't see a logical place for them to go with Charlotte still. So even though uh-uh. they basically d- got gone. No, go on. Sorry, that was a genuine cough. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it didn't sound like one. Um, I still don't think they have a place to go with Charlotte. So while they may be teasing. Well, not even teasing. They, they were they were basically saying it's going to be Asuka versus Alexa on Raw. I don't think they've actually completely come out and had Asuka say that yet. So I still think there's room for Asuka to say, I don't want to wrestle you. I want to go and wrestle Charlotte. And then I think they might go... I think they might go four-way and go Alexa, Nia, Bailey, and Sasha. So- I don't... I don't see them doing the Sasha and Bailey one-on-one at Mania because it's too far down. They'll have had they'll have had women in a mixed tag, i.e. Ronda and Steph. They'll have had two women's matches for the title. I don't think they have a third non-title women's match. Here's on WrestleMania. Here's my theory. Go on. Sorry, mate. I just sort of cut you off a little bit there. Sorry. That's okay. That's okay. Um, I think you're definitely barking at the right tree. I think. Charlotte hasn't got a definite opponent and that opponent will be Asuka and I think how it's going to play out is have you noticed that a a lot on Raw Alexa playing up the fact that Nia totally deserves to be in this match for what she did for what she did to uh, Asuka so you have Asuka turn around to her next week and say I agree that's why I'm going to go off to Smackdown and uh, and face Charlotte because she's a bigger better competitor 
and then you can face Naya, mm. who's the obvious defence there. So then you get Naya, Alexa one-on-one, and Alexa tries to back out of it. But Naya goes, come on, you said, you said I should get the title fight, now's a chance. Turns Naya face, sets up a proper match, gives Charlotte an opponent, and then I do think they'll do Sasha Bailey. I think it'll, they'll do it further down the card, maybe on the, you know, it might be like the main event of the pre-show, for instance. I think they'll get, I think they'll get it into one match. I think it'll be some sort of triple threat or, or four-way to... Um to include it all and then you'll get another tease along the way and then they can do it now I, ju- I just cannot see them putting you know that much st- I mean I know the whole women's revolution thing I get it but I don't think they're having a third and kind of fourth women's match at Wrestlemania I just I just don't see it and I, and I don't want to see it because it'll be too far like you said Bailey versus Sasha you know with their history with their real history with their NXT history with their raw history doesn't deserve to be, you know, Matt Hardy versus Bray Wyatt can be a, a kickoff match, and so can you know a, a tag match that's insignificant, but not. I don't think Sasha and Bailey. I think it deserves a lot more than uh, than pre-show chuck away. But you know, I've got I've got a real problem though with with buying Nia Jax as a as a credible title challenger simply because. The booking of her is—it's just baffling. It is so stop-start in that she comes into she comes into to Raw main roster and loses quite quickly. Then they build her up as a, an unstoppable monster. Then they have her lose again. Uh, you know, you had you had Asuka get um, beat her, I think, in mid-January on Raw. Then they decide to push her as a, a monster. Then, then she's beaten by Asuka again, and then the you know the, she's beaten by Asuka on the pay per view clean, although she dominated the match, she still lost. Then she's dominant in the in the six woman tag, but still is on the losing side. And it, it to me, it's just like yeah, you compare the booking of Nia Jax with the booking of Braun Strowman, for example, and it's absolutely poles apart. And, and how they can how they can book Braun Strowman so absolutely fantastically and how they can book Nia Jax so poorly, it's baffling to me. Do you know what gets me? This is this ties in nicely with what we were talking about earlier on. I'm going to be slightly flippant, but it's a, it's a, point, a serious point. Um, we've just been talking about facial expression and how that shows how you're all in as a character. Part of Nia's entrance... You know, is a close-up shot of her face, isn't it? A lot of people have the the choreographed entrance, like they used to do the camera being behind Mark Henry, so he used to completely take it all up. So you've got the idea of this massive broad back of his, and you know the, the lower camera angle shot for Great Carly, and all these different. You know, there's little tricks that they will do to to emphasise yeah. something. Well, I think what they're trying to get at with Naya, and this is a bit clumsy, but I think they're trying to say we know she's a funny shape physically, but she's really pretty. I think that's what they're trying to say. I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing to say, but I think that's what they're going for. They're trying to say, all right, she might be a bit overweight and a bit plus size, but she's got a really pretty face, which she has. But when they have that close-up... And, and then the music, I'm, I'm not like most girls. and that, I mean, that right. music doesn't fit that... Again, it's what do you want to present her as? Are you presenting her as a, a monster, as a physically dominant force? Are you presenting her as... 
as kind of more more rounded human whatever character it, it's it's just confused the okay, whole thing is confused just let me just let me finish it because what i'm saying Sorry. is that sometimes you'll have you know like uh it could be a bit cart i think it's a good example look at ronda over her appearances so far it's a little bit cartoony but you've seen happy smiley i'm so happy to be here ronda rousey and then she gets slapped around the face and suddenly it's the kind of the, the, the low the low brow I'm going to get you Ronda Rousey mm. and there's other people who have been I just mentioned Mark Henry Henry was a classic you know snarling when he's a heel and smiling when he's a baby face and you know, it's a bit one to another but at least you got what they were being Joe Samoa Joe is among the best for face expression for you know looking like a real tough guy and looking like he's going to hurt you, you know, Daniel Bryan's another good example how he could change it there's lots of examples when they do that close up on Nia the facial expression I'm getting from her is I think I've left my keys in the wrong drawer. Or do you know, do you know when you're travelling to an airport and you're going, oh, I'm sure I've forgotten something, and then you get there and you go, oh, I haven't bought the I haven't bought the plug, you know, the foreign plug that you plug into, I haven't bought an adapter plug. It, she's got that constant expression of, I'm sure I've forgotten something, and I want the iron. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, you way, you've gone a bit, uh, gone a bit down the old 1970s sexist route there. Left the iron on. Goodness me. Um, but it's uh, to me, it's that's her expression. It's a bit. Uh, mm, I don't really know what to think here. Whereas I wouldn't even mind seeing a looking cartoony snarl, or happy smile, or you know, really cocky smile, or whatever it might be. But to me, she doesn't have a very good expression, and they close up on her face, and I think that's Ooh. a real problem because for a good ten seconds, we're sitting here looking at her, going, "What? What? What am I supposed to think?" And they're not telling you what to think. Perhaps the the best example of it, and I know she only lasted one match, and it was in very you know surreal circumstances. But when they brought in Karma, aka Awesome Kong, um, you know we had the most amazing over-the-top facial expressions, which I think it's fair to say she borrowed from Aja Kong, the uh, the uh, the Japanese wrestler. Um, but you at least you, you knew what you were getting, didn't you? When Kia was stood there, sort of like looking directly into the camera and snarling, and the tongue was going everywhere, you, yeah. it, it looked terrifying. Um, and I want to see that from the, even Tamina, who is kind of like the the SmackDown equivalent of Nia, with that sort of the, the sort of the bigger worker, that, you know, the, the dominator. You know, even she's like, she's well, yeah, but but she's still got that kind of expression. That's what I want to see. If she's going to be a badass, look like one. And I, I, I think it starts. With, I have to. I agree with you about the stop-start booking, but I have to say it starts with her. I think she doesn't make, she doesn't make me believe one thing. Or I don't care about her. She has that. To me, she has that thing that the Big Show had for many years, which is, you know, they relied on the Big Show just being big, and so your match every single time was, where you got to try and get him off his feet. Oh, let's put him in a triple threat, and it's two versus one, and it was so bore. I found it so boring. They didn't care about the Big Show because they didn't let the Big Show be one thing or another. He was constantly yeah, flip-flopping, definitely. and so every time the Big Show wrestled, I just went, "Oh God!" And actually, I don't think I don't think many of us really appreciate just how good the Big Show is because they've undercut him so many times. And I I, I still think Jury is out big time on Nia because frankly, every time she's in a match, I go, "Oh, I don't want to watch this." I'm just totally yeah. not interested in watching her, and I, and I suspect she's a lot better than I'm giving her credit for. But they've yeah. turned me off to her. Whereas I've I've got to say, talking about the the characters in the women's division, that promo from Alexa Bliss was 
absolute gold for me. I was watching I was watching the uh, Elimination Chamber on Monday night with a mate of mine, and um, you know the the the, uh, the promo she was doing. We looked at each other. This is a bit weird. Please please say like please turn heel at the end. And then as soon as she did, we literally punched the air in delight. It was fantastic. Yeah, and they got a a rounded, defined character. Yeah, she's I mean, one yeah. of the best. She's, yeah. you know, on of, of either sex. She's in terms of the whole package as a worker, as a character, as someone who understands her role. She's one of the best on the roster, hands down. She's phenomenal. Fantastic I, in, actor in the, you know, that that promo was when she was being all tearful. It was it was believable. Do you remember when she she dis, like dislocated her her was it her elbow halfway through a match or something, and she's like double jointed and could do that anyway. And it, there's she's very innovative, and I th- yeah I think she's fantastic. I think she's the female Miz. In the sense that, and I'm, I'm comparing everyone to the Miz. I've just compared both Alexa Bliss and Nigel Farage to the Miz, but she's the female equivalent. Because you just said, you just said, Paul, about how well-rounded she is in terms of being a character. Well, I actually don't think she's all that good in the ring, but not in a oh she's bad way. But to me, she's just she's okay. Like someone like I don't know, like the Road Dog, or someone that you know. No one ever went out and said, well, you know, what an amazing worker Brian James was. No. But I don't think anyone ever went, oh, he's terrible. He was just all right. And I think I think she's that sort of level. She's Miz, she's Road Dog. But the character is so good that it makes up for everything. The character is, is the most important thing. If you want to go big, you know, a bigger picture, you know, Hogan, who was never the greatest, but, you know, his character did everything for him, all he needed to do. Now, OK, she's about seven foot shorter than Hogan, but, um, you know, she has that sort of the character is everything so you wouldn't really notice if she's going to have a terrible match because that's not really what it's about you're not really in it for the and I'll tell you another good example people always forget about this you know if you're talking the top 100 in ring wrestlers of all time hey The Rock ain't in that list The Rock was never a great great wrestler but obviously he's one of the best characters of all time one of the most charismatic people of all time got everything through hey and listen he's had some really good matches but for people that were up there during that era, Rock was not one of the better wrestlers. Not he's not in anywhere near the same category as some of the real greats, you know, like like Brett and Sean and Flair and Angle and you know, not even close to them. But it didn't matter. No, he, made, he, mean, he made up for it in every every, every other department. Exactly. I was going. I mean, I was fortunate enough to be live at WrestleMania um, 18 when Hogan and Rock faced each other. That wasn't the greatest technical wrestling match you, you'll ever see. But the atmosphere and the drama they created and the way that they, you know, watching Hogan get get a reaction out of literally every single movement he did, even if it was one finger, he would get a reaction. And the way they built drama and connected with that crowd was just something I'll, I'll never witness again. Masterful. There's two matches I always pick out from WrestleMania, and I always say, if the next indie show that you're on, Dean, you got two people that the crowd didn't really know to work the matches, move for move, step for step, mannerism for mannerism, they would get booed out of the building and explained how boring it was, and I'm never going to watch this show again. And they are Rock versus Hogan uh, and Triple H versus Undertaker in the cell. 
the matches are so slow, they're so plodding, nothing happens, it's so basic. But that's not a criticism. The point is, is that Undertaker versus Triple H, the history of it, Rock and Hogan, the history of it, the history of the men, they shouldn't have been going for, you know, triple jump moonsaults and Fujiwara armbars and topes. And that's, that's not the match. The match is all about the reaction and what you can do. Imagine if you would have got to that point where you could throw one right hand and send 80,000 people mad. Oh, <laughs> what a dream if you can do that and not have to climb off the top rope and do twisting double backflips and all that kind of thing. Just being able to go bang. Oh, that's it. That's the that's the dream. It's, it's all about. It's all about. And, and uh, so I to keep banging on about this. Is another thing I I teach at the, the seminars I do. It's all about getting. Um, emotional investment they call it from the audience that they basically they care about you and and you know the the best person by a mile that that was in that that sort of category since the era of Hogan and Rock was um, Daniel Bryan and the whole yes movement and then the build up to the match with Triple H and and just prior to that with um with CM Punk that Money in the Bank match he had with um with Cena in Chicago, they are both brilliant examples of taking the crowd on a, a journey in the build up to an event and having them in the palm of your hand. And Paul's right. The nearest we've got to it at the moment is Bra- is Braun Strowman, and yes, people can go back a year and listen to all the old podcasts and they can hear Paul extolling his virtues and me saying he's no good. He's just a big tree. And you know all they're doing is running, and I'm I'm wrong. I have to say I'm wrong. I still don't. Again, he's not a good wrestler. He's, he's not even approaching a good wrestler. But he is doing absolutely. I wish he stopped doing a drop kick. That's annoying me because he doesn't need to do a drop kick because he's a great big guy. I wish big guys would do big guy moves. I don't want him doing drop yeah. kicks. But generally speaking, he wrestles like a big monster, and that's what he should be doing. And you're not having great Braun Strowman matches, but you're not supposed to. And he is doing such a good job with what he's been dealt, and they've worked out his, you know, what his significance is, and it's basically ripping shit up. And he's very, very good at it. And what they've added is this little extra bit to his character. They've worked out what they can do with, you know, battering stuff, and they've now worked out that he can be playful with Alexa on the mix match challenge, and he can, you know, basically take the mick and play with a double base on Raw and mock Elias as long as he breaks it afterwards you know yeah. so actually we're starting to get to we're starting to get to this area where not many people get to famously Kurt Angle got there um, but plenty of others have got there Rock is an example Austin is an example Triple H is an example where you can be a legit respected badass believable character that people believe can win wrestling matches and fight people but can also make them laugh and yeah. don't make them laugh to the detriment of what you're doing. Sean Michaels is, I think, someone that would never really... If it's any tiny flaw to Sean, it's that Sean never got that. When Sean was doing the DX stuff especially, it was very flippant, silly, oh, we're just playing wrestling. And it's like, oh, you're not, though, are you? He could switch it and then suddenly go, but I'm going to wrestle you, Undertaker. And you went, oh, that's good. But he never was able to get the sort of playfulness of it. I particularly remember a triple threat between Cena, Hunter and Shawn Michaels and they never once took it seriously and it was a dreadful match because no one cared a tiny jot because they'd not pretended to care. But, you know, I think most of the greats have had that little element of, you know, doing something a little bit 
you know, off the wall to get a, a one-liner. And even even just this, I forget what he said, but Kurt said something on Raw this week, and I don't think Kurt's performances as general manager have been particularly masterful. But he said something on Raw this week about, you know, I you know I wasn't thinking, or I I I I want my job, or I want to keep my job, or something. And it was just it was just really well delivered, and it was a bit it was old it was old school job. Kurt. Yeah, what, what was it, Dean? Sorry. I need this job. I need this job, but he, yeah, but he did it in such a, a way that it was it was meant to be funny, but it was also yeah. meant to be you had to identify with the character and realise why he was you know now pretending he was lying. But I love that. That was the Kurt I've, I've missed because it was that comic timing that I thought he'd lost. I was I was quite a nice moment I thought because he's in a big position here because if we're gonna and we'll try and make this our sort of final topic as we as we wind down, but. Um, you know, Kurt's in a big position because Rhonda is brand new, and she's not really shown so far that she's all that comfortable talking. Clearly, Triple H and Steph—I thought Steph was amazing again this week, absolutely brilliant. But you know, Kurt has got to—if if, let's assume that it's Kurt and Rhonda versus Triple H and Steph, which is kind of building towards—I'm not certain that Kurt's the right person for it because I'm not certain he can carry Rhonda. Whereas, obviously, clearly, if they were going to try and get the Rock, or if they did get the Rock, clearly he could. But I think there were others that can. I don't think Kurt can. What do you think, Paul? I I fully agree with that. You know, they're, they're setting up the storyline where it doesn't seem to be much wiggle room. I think there's been all these potential um, partners for Ronda in this in this match, and Kurt's always been on that list, and he's always been one I'm not particularly wanting to see. Frankly, and I'm I'm the biggest fan of Kurt Angle. There is I don't ever want to see him in the ring ever again. You know, you look at him. I'm I'm loath even to say it, but you look at him Elimination Chamber, and and the performance was so wooden and so so sort of it, it was so vacant. You know, mm. the guy's hand was shaking. He was shaking as he said, the guy's clearly physically not well, and I just don't think he's the right guy. Look, especially if the WWE's aim is to put all these mainstream eyeballs on this product, is Kurt Angle a broken down, hurting? unwell Kurt Angle, a guy that should be under this microscope it's, it doesn't strike me as a good idea um, and I just wonder whether they might be able to pivot away from it um, successfully at the last moment, I think not I think they're going with it um, it's a shame because I think this angle's been really good, like you say the MVP so far have understandably and, and not surprisingly been Triple H and Stephanie who play those roles so wonderfully particularly we take, we take particularly particu- particularly you know even going back to when in the run up to Wrestlemania 30 the Occupy Raw segment with Daniel Bryan that was to me that was her coming out party as a heel and she she, she badly wants to be her dad as an on screen character she so badly wants to be her dad but if you're going to pattern your character on any heel in the history of the business why not pick Mr. McMahon? So if that's where she's going, then fantastic. I'll tell you the thing that the thing that concerns me about that match more so than Kurt Angle is the fact that Ronda Rousey's opponent, because you know I presume that the men will fight the men, the women will fight the women. Ronda Rousey's opponent in her first wrestling match is someone who isn't a wrestler, and that is a recipe for disaster. And I've said this on on Twitter a number of times. I've used the hashtag ego before business, and I really it genuinely baffles me on this one because 
when you know I've I've had wrestling matches in the past four to be precise over 25 years I am not a, a wrestler I I'm not athletically competent by any stretch every time I've been involved in a wrestling match I have had a full-time wrestler with me either on the tag rope or at ringside to be there if things all fall apart and if as you know you quite rightly say Paul we're going to have all these mainstream eyes on the product and if Ronda and Stephanie their sequences just fall apart it is going to be embarrassing and I think it would have been much better to have Stephanie as the manager for a female wrestler um, you know, uh, someone like a Natalia or a Mickey James, someone who's plentifully experienced, and then you can still get Stephanie in the ring to do the the payoff spot and getting armbarred by Ronda. But I think it's incredibly dangerous, and it is just a case of Stephanie wanting to be in the ring with Ronda and be seen that you know rather than putting the business first. And I think that that worries me. Right, I'll, I'll take us back a couple of weeks. Um when we were, we were talking about this, uh, I believe two weeks ago, Paul, correct me if I'm wrong, um, mm. where we were talking about the nature of how the crowd were going to react. It may even have been three weeks ago, because it was when I threw up the idea of Ronda being paired with Paul Heyman. Because sure. I, I sensed that the first, uh, the initial run with Ronda coming out of the Raw Rumble, the Raw afterwards, um, was they were booing her. And I said, no, they need someone like Heyman, and that could mean that if they were going to, you know, uh, live with the... At this point, we're thinking it's probably going to be Ronda versus, say, Asuka or Alexa or something like that. Um, and we were saying, let's have Heyman with her, because then when they boo her, he can take hold of it and she can be a heel, etc. Now, I think the reason that they've, they're going with... One of the reasons that they're going with Triple H and Steph versus Ronda plus one... I'll get to that in just a sec... Um, is I think that that's where they think they can guarantee Ronda being cheered at WrestleMania because Steph is despised yep. and I think that's where they know it's a little bit like do you know what they would always do if they needed to get some heel on a rest, uh, some heat on a wrestler um, who was a heel the person that they have with them attack Jim Ross because Jim Ross was so universally liked if you beat up JR oh you're a heel because if you beat up anyone else, you could still be kind of cool for beating them up. But if you beat up JR, people hated you and you got heat. And I think there's a little bit of if you attack Steph or if you, you know, have a go at Steph, then you are de facto the babyface. So um, I think that's why they've gone with that. I'm not too worried about the in-ring activity because I think what they'll do... Well, I'm worried it from Kurt's point of view. But I'm not worried about it from the girls' point of view because I think the story of the match might be... You know, Steph tagging in from time to time and Ronda chasing her off and she can't get there and can't get there. And when you finally get the tag, Ronda just annihilates her. You know, just, it'll just be kind of like, you know, clothesline, clothesline, slam, armbar, tap. I, I don't think they're going to expose Ronda. I don't think you're going to see her wrestle very much. I think it's going to be two or three moves, if that. Because Steph doesn't wrestle very often. I think Steph had a match since she fought, you know, Brie Bella. So, you know, that's, that's, it's going to be like a three or four year gap for Steph, isn't it? So Ooh. I'm I'm assuming that they're just gonna. I don't see, you know what 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 I call the Jay Leno. You know when Jay Leno had Hogan in an armbar. You know yeah. obviously that yeah. was for. You know there was a clear reason for that, and that was you know it was the reason that they sold for so long is that they could get the angle from five different cameras that could then be shown on various different mainstream TV shows. Now that's Jay Leno. That's very different from Ronda Rousey, and actually having Steph on top. 
Um, as you said previously, doesn't make a lot of sense showing Ronda Rousey look vulnerable. So I don't see her selling a jot. Um, they're not that stupid. Um, I think she will just annihilate Steph the, in the first opportunity. They, I, I don't share your reservations, Dean, basically. In, in short, about her, I do share them about the fact that Triple H is going to have to beat up Kurt Angle for most of the match. There's, there's a very good way around that, though. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring in an example from one of my very favourite films of all time. I'm hoping that most people have seen it, and it's Gladiator. You know, the, the, big, the finale of Gladiator, where uh, Russell Crowe's hero faces off against the Emperor Joaquin Phoenix in the Colosseum. Now, one-on-one, it's a mismatch. It's Ronda Rousey against Stephanie McMahon. Um, Russell Crowe annihilates him every single day of the week, twice on Sundays. But right before he goes out, Russell Crowe gets stabbed in the side with an arrow or a dagger or something like that and basically massively handicapping before he goes out and, and making it a fair fight so I could see a scenario where they do something exactly like that where very early in the match something happens to Rousey maybe before the bell Stephanie smashes her in the back with a sledgehammer takes out takes out her back straight away and before the bell even rings um, handicapping her and then that get, then you you're able to have a realistic match between the two then because Ronda Rousey smashing the back with a sledgehammer is realistic level competition for Stephanie McMahon okay two things to that one if you go with what you're saying have her taken out backstage by a mystery assailant and then you've immediately got Ronda's next feud trying to work out trying to work out who it is secondly what about flipping it the other way and it's the let me see if I can get the year it's the SummerSlam 1993 angle what am I going to say tell me what I'm going to say you're going to go the doink the clown route doink the clown so out comes Lawler on the crutches can't wrestle tonight here's my substitute they could have Steph do that out on the crutches I can't wrestle Um, you know here's my replacement Natalia and Natalia tries to beat up Rousey, gets absolutely annihilated, and while she's getting annihilated, Steph sneaks up on Ronda, and she gets annihilated as well. There is that is a, and I'd not thought thought of that until you started to do your your version of things. But I think they are two plausible, and I would say quite. I would be happy with them. I would be happy with those. The thing is with that, the thing is with either of those things, you might as well then just do Ronda Rousey versus Stephanie, as opposed to doing the mixed tag. Yep. Why are we doing the mixed tag? So I assume that it's a little bit of Triple H Kurt Angle in there. But I still have this theory, because we were talking about booking themselves into a bit of a corner with Kurt. I still have the theory that what they can do all along is they can have it be Kurt, have it be Kurt, have it be Kurt. And if four days, not four days, that doesn't quite work. But if eight days before WrestleMania, Dwayne decides he'll do it, then you can take Angle out on Monday Night Raw. Or you can take Angle out at some point, and he's out. And now Ronda's got to find a new partner. And then you go, she goes, I found my new partner, and it's The Rock, or it's The Undertaker, or it's Goldberg, you know, or it's you know whoever. I mean, not not that Goldberg wouldn't have the same you know, you know problems as as Kurt would. But I'm saying that they could, if they wanted to write Kurt out of it, they can just have him be attacked by Triple H and injured, and and just say, or even or attacked by Jason Bloody Jordan. Do you know what I mean? If they wanted to carry that um, story on, they can they can injure Kurt and rule him out of the match, and then say here's the replacement. So you can get out of it if they think they've got a better option. Let's say they're they're still negotiating with The Rock and they can't quite agree yet, 
but they agree at some point between now and Mania, you can soon work out of it and just just bin Kurt. Now it might seem harsh, sure. but they might have an agreement. They might say have said like Kurt, here's the position. You're in this match, but if we get Dwayne, you're out. And I would have thought Kurt would go, yeah, okay, just pay me the money anyway. Yeah, yeah I, I I can't imagine that they'll be able to get the rock. Oh, everything apart from the fact I don't know what his schedule's like, but all 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 reports I've ever read have been that he's such a such a big a-lister now that like no movie company will allow him to take the risk of wrestling especially I, after the last match he had with Cena and he um, injured his groin I think didn't he yeah I, no, I agree I don't think they're going to get him either but not getting him does not preclude them from trying to get him agreed no, so, mm. so, oh yeah so that might so I still feel that that Kurt is the fill-in I still feel that this no. this angle has been booked you know two years out three years out yeah. for The Rock and, and you, know, you know what I if they were going to take Kurt Angle out the one person I'd love to see in that and it's not going to happen but that would be Braun Strowman because of the fact that they laid some foundations at Survivor Series for Strowman and, and Triple H hey, and don't, when you've I, got don't all those mainstream eyes you got all those mainstream eyes on on the product what a launch pad that could be for, for launching Braun Strowman to a wider audience. I love that. I think we've mentioned that before, Paul, and I mentioned that previously because we, we simply, there isn't a match for Braun at the moment. You know, if you start to look, I mean, we, we were talking about, you know, a potential Braun versus Miz, you know, for the IC title, but they seem to go down the triple threat, Seth versus Finn versus Miz this week. Um, and therefore, if, you know, if Undertaker's not on the card, and if Samoa Joe doesn't come back, um, there isn't anything for Braun, is there? Save from, save for winning the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. Now there is the, we did also talk about this on the uh, on the Lost podcast, was that um, you know maybe someone's going to win the Battle Royal that's a little bit more well thought of this year, and it's not going to be you know Mojo Bloody Rawley, um, because the Andre Battle Royal, sorry the Andre documentary is coming out soon, isn't it? And they might want to. Um, you know, tie something in with that, and there might be more eyes on Andre. So, I think there was. was were we suggesting that that was Braun, or were we suggesting that that was someone else? I, I, think we were, we, I, I was suggesting Braun. Yeah. Okay. I I just think I know you're saying yeah, it, it will be it will be more um, prominent this year, but I still I still don't think I still think. Braun Strowman in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal would be a waste of Braun Strowman. Oh, I agree. I entirely agree. But I'm just saying, at this moment in time, the only the only other route I can see them doing is Cena. You know, I know Cena's off to SmackDown to do his little bit there, but you kind of feel that that's going to still come short. The only, I mean, if if they're not going to do Cena Taker, maybe they're going to do Cena Strowman. That's the only thing I can see, because they're the two at the moment. They're the two that don't fit. Mm. Well, there is another rumour come out about Cena today. Rey Mysterio. <laughs> Rey Mysterio. Oh, yeah. I really? know, I know. Can't yeah. see it happen. I don't think so. It, to me, it feels like a bit of a fault. Somebody putting two and two together and making six one nine. But hey, um, hey. <laughs> but uh, uh, but uh, yeah, that's that's what's coming out. It feels very odd. I mean, I like I like the match, but it's not mania. They've got no. Oh, I was going to say they've got no history. Actually, they were sort of a tag team or a sort of team along with Edge when Cena and Ray debuted. 
but I don't think enough people quite remember well, that. It's not it's not yeah. one of those periods in history that people you know, continue to talk about. But they're basically seen as first thing was to was to wrestle angle, wasn't it, in, a, in an open challenge? Yep. Um, you know, so I could have seen them doing seen that angle, but that's that's not going to happen now. Um, but there was I forget who Kurt was with, but it was it was Cena, Ray, and Edge against Kurt and a couple of others. No, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't. Kurt went out of the picture by then. It was um, Cena, Ray, and Edge against Christian, Lance Storm, and William Regal. Oh, really? Okay, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll take away for Americans. I'll take away for that. Um, but yeah, they were certainly aligned when he first came in, but I don't think that's a, a strong enough reason to have. No, no, I, no, no. I had Ray as being more of a night after a night after Mania guy rather than a rather than an actual I don't see Rey Mysterio having a match at Wrestlemania doing anything for anyone apart from you know I would have Rey Mysterio challenge the winner of the Cruiserweight tournament the night after Raw definitely that's, that's, that's where you put Rey that's where you that's where you put Rey to, Rey Mysterio is not going to be a world champion anymore but he proved that he can come into the Rumble and still be a name so you use him to get other people over you don't use him to wrestle yeah. John Cena just no, because I mean, Cena can't lose. Surely Cena wouldn't lose to Mysterio. So if you're going to bring in Mysterio for one night or for a longer term period, he's not going to come in and lose to Cena, is he? Why would you come in and lose to Cena? But then other, also, why would you have Cena lose to Ray? I, I don't see that at all. I just, I mean, I don't know where that's come from. You obviously both have seen it because you kind of both said it at the same time, but. Um, that just seems bonkers. It came, I think it came from ESPN. It came, well, to be fair, it came from a source that is apparently less than reliable. Sometimes gets things right, sometimes does not. Right. To me, it sounds like one of these things that's been kicking around. You know, what about if we did this conversation and it's leaked out and it doesn't sound right to me? Yeah, I'm not having that one. Basically, been, I think it's just that ever since the Rumble. Um, there have been rumours kicking around of Rey Mysterio coming back on some sort of a a Jericho style deal, um, and and like you said, Paul, it's putting two and two together and getting it hopelessly wrong because you're just trying to find a way of shoehorning him back in. But I I do agree with you that the night after the Raw after WrestleMania would be the perfect night for it. Well, we we have a a little thing that we talk about here on the uh, on the podcast, which is. Um the video game guy you know we've pointed out over the over the last few years that someone will come back at some point and be the video game guy so sting has done it goldberg has done it kurt angle has done it to me warrior, Ray, to, to me Ray, pardon and warrior was the first warrior, one wasn't he warrior yes. yeah, of course so they have a video game guy and i think ray is made for that position this year you know you can have some sort of mask thing that's a you know you could you can have lots of different masks on the game and the uh, the you know you could give a mask away when you buy it and all this kind of stuff. There's just there's so much you can do. He's such a good marketing figure. Um, I can see him being the video game guy and and probably you know in the uh, if he's if he is winding down his career, get back into WWE, have a good year or two, take a good payday, Hall of Fame. You know it's a it's a good way of getting himself back in the fold and uh, back with some eyeballs on him. He would be a really really good addition to. Um, to the cruiserweight side of things, as far as I'm concerned, you know, as a sporadic, you know, performer. But imagine if uh, old Drake Maverick there could come out and say, "I've got a huge announcement for the night after WrestleMania," and he brings out Ray to wrestle the new champion. You know, take your pick. Who's who's going to win? The, uh, yeah, there's, there's a question that we can uh, 
we can see ourselves out on who's going to win the cruiserweight tournament <laughs> very good question um, I think I think Drew Gulak's going to make the final um, I think he's going to be a losing finalist um, who do I think what, who are the, who are the remaining who's remaining you got Cedric Alexander um, Roderick Buddy Strong. Murphy Roderick Strong there's my pick Roderick Strong I think Murphy's a shout I think Murphy's a shout I think they like him and they made a bit of a big deal about him signing didn't they he was a bit wasn't he a mystery guy it was like who, who's, who's it going to be and it turned out to be him they made they made something of him I think uh, I think he's got a chance but I think that's a it's maybe a topic for another day Dean, Dean is staying particularly silent on this topic he either has no opinion or hasn't been watching I, I, I have to be watching, but yeah. no, I'd love to, I'd love to see Mark Andrews, but I know it won't be him. Um, I think Roderick Strong's a good shout. I mean, it's a way of uh, of elevating someone off of, of um, off of uh, NXT, but um, it's a it's a discussion for another day of what what's you know, of the whole 205 Live and what's going on with that and with Triple H supposedly taking over. But so that's a that's a whole another topic for a whole another podcast. It is, um, it is. And just uh, a final point I want to make. We've kind of covered it anyway, but I'll just uh, uh, wrap it up again. That is something we did. Uh, to, <laughs> I'm just realising the irony. I told the two boys before we started the show um, try not to mention last week too much. It would be a nightmare if we keep mentioning the show that we didn't do last week, and I've probably done it more than anyone else, so I, uh, <laughs> I'm i a massive hypocrite. But uh, something that I know we did talk about on that was um, uh, how much we enjoyed Raw last week for its um, how its its presentation, and it was you know Dean's idea that it might be um, you know Triple H's fingerprints on it, and that he would have more of an effect on it because we've seen what's happened with 205 Live and with NXT, and I, I'm mentioning this again mainly because... Uh, Dean went on record praising Triple H and I think it's the first time he's ever done it in history so I was just making sure that I was uh, repeating that fact um, but it is important I think to note that Raw this week I thought was uh, if Raw had a weakness this week I thought that it didn't leave you on a, on a big angle I felt that the there were two or three angles which were interesting but none of them were show, show enders to me um, but I thought the highlights of Raw this week were the verbiage and I thought that I thought Cena was good. I thought Reigns was excellent. I thought Bliss was really good. I thought it was a better segment with Rousey and so forth. I thought Steph was amazing. I thought Rollins was pretty good on the backstage thing that he did. I thought Miz was good. I thought almost everything that was good this week on Raw was was talking. And I thought that last week, or the week before I should say, it was wrestling. And it was, you know, pure wrestling and it was pure sport. And it was all about the... um, you know the th- what they refer to as the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. They did that well at um, Elimination Chamber as well, by the way, having people sort of sat on the steps outside the chamber after getting beat. They did. That was really good. A real. If you don't, if people don't care about losing, then it, it doesn't mean anything. And they seem to have really upped that over the last couple of weeks. But I just wanted to flag up that there are there is more than one way uh, to skin the cat. There is to you know to pull yourself up and over the ropes, and there is also to. Um, you know, to, you can build a show in different ways. So you can you can make it all about wrestling, and you can make it all about talking. There, you know, as long as you make it a good, captivating show full of, you know, progression of character. I don't think it matters what way you come at it. So I was. Uh, Speak, you know, speaking of cats, as we sit here, um, uh, doing this podcast now, I've just had a LinkedIn link request from none other than Ernest the Cat Miller. 
Yeah, <laughs> right. You're definitely, you're definitely mentioning that on uh, the next episode of Because WCW, which instantly you can listen to by going to at Because WCW on Twitter or iTunes or Because WCW.podbean.com. Thank you very much. Well done, sir. First of all, you've 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 got yourself back out of. I slagged you off at the start of the podcast for failing to live up to your showbiz Paul Benson moniker by being in a reception in a travelodge and you've come through at the end by the Ernest the Cat Miller reference. <laughs> Secondly, it's a really nice reminder that I want to say congratulations uh, to the former Cat Miller, now Cat O'Leary, yes. and of course to Jay, yes. um, friends of all three of us um, and have been on the podcast before WrestleMania last year. You re- may remember, around about this time last year we had them on the podcast because they were getting married uh, at WrestleMania well, they've had the good news that uh, they're expecting a baby later on in the year, so congratulations to them. And finally, I want to ask Dean now, who is the most random wrestling connection that you've had on LinkedIn? Because I've got one as well. Um, that Someone added um, me. I actually turned it down because I've never met them before. I have a few wrestling people that I know on LinkedIn because I have like genuinely met them and worked with them, as will you if, you, if indeed you use LinkedIn. But I'm assuming, by the way that Paul did that, that he's not... <laughs> he's not actually he doesn't actually know Ernest the Cat Miller <laughs> given uh, no. the way he just did that no well, first first of all just going to say yeah, congrats to uh, to Jan Cat and I think that the three of us collectively have the responsibility of trying to pressure them into giving their child a wrestling themed name of some sort okay um I've got to say I don't use LinkedIn very much because uh, I try and keep the place that I work away from all kinds of social media. I do have an account which I barely ever use. So um, there may, for all I know, Terry Funk may have sent me an invitation. No, 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 no. that doesn't work. That doesn't work because you've worked with Terry Funk. So that would make sense. I'm saying that Paul Paul doesn't know, hasn't met and has no reason to be linked to Ernest the Cat Miller. So that's why it's strange, and mine is like that as well. I I I don't know. I I haven't. I would need to go and check my LinkedIn for random requests because um, I I've got to say I, I can't really answer the question unfortunately. Okay, Sorry. that's that's I'm, fine. I believe you're on a terrible downer, but no, no, um, no, 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 no. You won't because I'm I'm, I'm, gonna, a... I'm now going to do one of my favourite things, which is to say, okay, lads, twenty questions. I want you two to work out who it is. You can ask me questions which I will answer yes or no, and you can see if you can get who it is that once added me on LinkedIn. About about a year ago, I was on LinkedIn uh, and it just came up and said so and so wants to link, and I will tell you that it's I, not someone I have ever met or interviewed. Okay, I'll, I'll start. That. Is it a man? Yes. Uh, in the world of sport, it's wrestling. Oh no, it's, it's wrestling. Well, we're not going to just. Do, no, it's it was I don't know. Yes, it was it was. Um, Mickey Stockwell, the former Ipswich defender, who added me on there. I'm was just it? saying. No, it wasn't. I'm just saying that because we uh, we oh. ended up talking about random Ipswich players last week, and I wanted to get Mickey Stockwell's <laughs> name into the is, uh, into the mix. It's a wrestler. Is it? Is it someone who uh, is currently active? Uh, no. Oh well, they may they may, for all I know, do the odd um, indie shot in in gimmick, but I doubt it. Is it Scotty Tumotti? No. <laughs> um, have they been or have they wrestled on a WWE pay-per-view? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, have they were they a former title holder in the WWE? 
No. I don't know. I'm fairly certain no. Did they weigh approximately over 300 pounds? <laughs> Let, uh, no, not over 300, no. Did they have a, a long WWE career? Uh, not a very long in-ring one, I wouldn't have said, but they did work for the company for a long time. Ooh. I hope you're playing along at home, by the way. Make sure you're uh, <laughs> having some discussions were, were trying they, to work out um, who it is. Were they, were they in a role, were they best known as like an authority figure? No, they were never an authority figure on screen. Were they, they best known, known? Were they best known as a wrestler? Yeah, I mean, yeah. They weren't. Yes, no, no. They're fed. Yeah, throughout their career, they were. They had a long was wrestling it, career. Was it Raven? No. Did they wrestle in WCW as well? I, uh, I, probably, but um, not for very, very, not for very long at all. I have a feeling they went back to. They were one of those ones that would have got released from WCW, uh, WWE and immediately got a WCW contract, but would have been on Nitro a couple of times, if that. <sighs> Ooh. Were they best known for being in a tag team? Uh, at one stage, probably at the best part of their career, yes. Ooh. Yes, I would say it might not have been the period of their career that they were best known for to the average WWF fan, but I would say in their pre WWF career. Yes, I would say their most successful era would have been as part of a tag team. Oh, in a pre-WWF career. Yeah. Uh, in, but not in, not as a tag team in WCW. No. Well, well, yeah, they think, I think they actually were, but like with no prominence, so I wouldn't read into that. But the tag team, so they're famous for a tag team in ECW. No. Much earlier. So they're famous for a tag team on the independent circuit and then they came into WWE as primarily a singles wrestler oh there's something formulating now yeah you're on the that's the uh, that's the basics of it Tracy um, Smothern no was the tag team uh, did the tag team win championships outside of WWE yeah fairly certain they did yeah I would have said they did in fact I can check it let me just check it I've got a computer here I can tell you that they oh yeah they won loads absolutely loads in uh, in a couple of different um, couple of different territories so were there prime years as this tag team like in the the 90s or the 80s the 80s yeah mm. very much an 80s team independent tag team in the 80s well they independent independent wasn't really a thing was it in the 80s it was more territorial but they were never like world tag champs somewhere they were according to their wikipedia they were NWA United States tag team champions and they were AWA Southern tag team champions at many times. Oh my god. NWA United States tag team champions. But you wouldn't necessarily associate them with 
like Crockett, they wouldn't have been in the Crockett territory. So it's not that so NWA. They were Southern USA wrestlers, independent Southern USA wrestlers. They would have wrestled in, yeah, mainly in the in southern parts of them um, of the. Did they wrestle States. as this tag team in WWE? No. Are we sort of talking around a sort of like a Dennis Condry, Randy Rose type era? Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Make one logical step from one of the people you just said. Stan Lane. Okay. Stan Lane is one of the team. So it's the fantastic Steve Kern. Steve Kern is the answer. There we Yay. go. And that's annoying because I thought Steve Kern's name popped into my head ages ago and I never the, said it. The, the fabulous was ones. Ever, it was the fabulous was ones. Was he ever in WCW? Yes. Pardon? Was he ever in WCW? Like, literally, uh, literally asked you, so he was, what was he? He was Skinner and he was... Yeah. Uh, was he Abe Knuckleball Swartz or was that Lombardi? I forget which one. No, that was Lombardi. Okay, he well, was Doink as well, wasn't he, for he, a time? He, I think he was the Doink when they did the two Doinks. He was. Yeah. So after doing all those kind of things, uh, I think he went to WCW because that's what everyone did for like a year. But did like the genius thing of like signing a contract, never been on TV, wrestling four matches and then going back. To, but then he went back as an agent, didn't he? He was an agent for a long yes, time. Yes, he, um, he, he was one of those break things up agents, wasn't he? When uh, Do you remember when yeah. that, that could be quite a good little conversation to people, wouldn't it? So who were the agents that used to break things up when you remember being a kid? Right. That, Oh, Rene Goulet. Strongbow. Yeah, I always think I think of Strongbow, and I think. Did you say Rene Goulet? Rene Goulet, Tony Guerrero. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. I, always think, I always think of Rene Goulet with his mad hair. I used to think it was basically Wurzel Gummidge was coming down to uh, yeah. to break things up. It feels so strange to see that evolve now. It's one of the things that makes me feel old in life when you look at the agents breaking things up, and it's Billy Kidman and Jamie Noble. Yeah. And, uh, and Adam Pierce. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so you had the era where it was strong. Yeah, Strongbow, Guerrilla, um, Sarge, Pat Patterson. There was that sort of era, wasn't there? Rennie Goulet. And then you go on a bit, and then it was for a time it was people like Finley, um, Dean Malenko, um, others like that. Yeah. So now, as you say, now it's yeah, it's um. Well, that's where J and J came from, really, wasn't it? Was, is that what they were called? Yes. Were they called J and J? Jamie Noble and, 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 and yeah. Joe, Joey Mercury. That's kind of they were, they were just agents, weren't they? And so they just yeah. used yeah, yeah, they that. Were. But yeah, but yeah, you're right. It is how it uh, how it all develops. Anyway, well done. Yes, yeah, Steve Kern. Out of nowhere, one day I went onto uh, LinkedIn and I had been added on there by uh, the former alligator man himself, Steve Kern. And I have never met him, <laughs> and I've never interviewed him, and so I just politely declined that offer but I don't know what you're going to do with uh, Ernest the Cat Miller maybe that's the uh, the big yes, cliffhanger you do. yes you do know the, the big cliffhanger is, uh, <laughs> is what is going to happen so tune in next week to find out <laughs> oh, if God. Paul if Paul added uh, so so we're all off to um, so wow. I'm I'm going to uh, we're all going to frankly tell all of our friends I'm sure so I'm going to uh, uh, I'm going to email my cousin about it and uh, Dean is going to send uh, a text to his dad and Paul's going to call his mama. <laughs> Somebody else needs to do that. Somebody yeah. call my mama, not me. Somebody else. What was the little fella called that he had with him? Oh, oh um, Lamont. Lamont, very good. How did you remember that? <laughs> very good. Because WCW. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and on that note, Paul, very quickly give us the uh, the addresses, etc., for people to go and uh, have a look at our wrestling. We, we, we promised lots of plugging on this show, and we actually didn't do a great deal of it, other than uh, nope. at the start we gave you all the venues. So we're not going to go through all that again, but we will tell you that if, uh, if you're interested in finding out more about our WrestleMania parties, 19 and counting uh, at the moment, and we are just over... Uh, five weeks away from Wrestlemania itself uh, Paul will tell you where you can go to buy tickets or to find out more information yep if you think that might be something on your street and if you're listening to this podcast and you're over 18 it absolutely should be something over yours, up your street um, check it out facebook.com forward slash ho wrestling look at all our list of events on there see if there's one that tickles your fancy if there is come along you'll love it everybody who goes to these things absolutely has a blast makes new friends has an amazing time so hopefully you guys will be no exception for the people who come for the first time if you want to buy the tickets you can get those from um hookedonevents.co.uk forward slash store or going to ringsideworld.co.uk marvellous and uh, Dean uh, it's been a pleasure having you on once more uh, we'll see you at the um on the Wrestlemania party uh, if not before and uh, just if people yeah, want to see you at the Clapham Grand for uh, Wrestlemania if I don't see you at the Clapham Grand for IPW on the 18th of March beforehand of course marvellous stuff and if people want to follow you on the uh, on the socials where can they find you uh, on Twitter at Dean A-S-D-E-A-N-A-Y-A-S-S or uh, the podcast is at Because WCW on Twitter or Facebook.com forward slash Because WCW uh, uh, with the uh, next episode featuring Paul Benson hey oh, oh he's got himself booked well done <laughs> hey uh... he's just got booked yes <laughs> well done Dennis Stamp there on the uh on the other end of the line uh, as my co-host this week but uh, thanks everyone for listening uh, we hope you've had fun that was our sort of random assortment of thoughts on Elimination Chamber and uh, the uh, ensuing uh, items around it as we build ever closer to Wrestlemania uh, and indeed we are on the road to Wrestlemania in the fast lane coming up very certain, uh, very soon so by the time we get to next week's podcast there will already be another pay-per-view on the horizon and I'm sure we'll have a chat about that next week as well as we'll start to ramp up some of our Wrestlemania thoughts we'll uh, get onto some old school Wrestlemanias and uh, play some games and have some fun as we build up to our biggest pay-per-view of the year uh, but from, uh, from the Twisted Genius, Dean Ayas, from Showbiz, Paul Benson there in his little Travelodge, uh, and from me in Snowy Devon, uh, thank you very much for listening. And just remember, it's wrestling, so enjoy it. See you next week. <laughs>